The irony is that Jack Ehrman is probably sitting in a comfy prison cell right now, while the mob of people who are mad at him are at my door with their shotguns and baseball bats. Fucking Jack is probably laughing to himself, thinking, well things probably turned out the best way they could have. I got off pretty easy, lucky me, lucky me. Lucky me, the people outside are irate. I can hear them yelling from here. Come out here you coward, you know what you did. You asshole! You eat shit! Murder! There's a prison cell with your name on it! They can yell all they want, but I'm no murderer. A coward, maybe, but not a murderer. The only murderer I know of is Jack Ehrman, and he's already been convicted. You probably heard a thing or two about his case on the news. Local man arrested and charged with murder of eight women. Has the Gilliman County Crusher finally been caught? Suspect found in serial murder case. I didn't choose to defend Jack. I'm an assisted public defender where I was. Anyway, I could easily see this case running my career. All of our cases are assigned to us by a judge. We don't get to pick and choose. When I first met Jack, it was 23 hours after his initial arrest. The cops had received an anonymous tip with the license plate number allegedly seen at the scene of the eighth murder. Those license plates led them to Jack's white Nissan Altima, and the Altima led them to Jack. Jack denied committing the murders. He said the anonymous tip must have come from someone who had a beef with him, someone who wanted him to suffer. Something you have to understand, Jack doesn't look like a murderer. He's a young, chunky white guy. He has one of those haircuts that's all the rage these days, buzzed on the sides, long on the top. He's got these stupid, round glasses that make him look like Harry Potter, crossed with Chris Farley. When he talks, he's eloquent, but extremely quiet. He smells like hand sanitizer and cheap cologne. He wrings his hands a lot, and he's real pale, like a sheet of paper. The first thing Jack told me was that he had known two of the victims. They went to his community college, and he had gone on a date with one of them. Coincidentally... That girl was the first victim of the Gilliman County Crusher. The district attorney alleged during a trial that Jack killed this first girl because she rejected his sexual advances. The murder of that first girl, Abby Ginders, was an important point for the prosecution. When Mr. Ehrman killed Abby Ginders, he got a taste for blood. He learned that his greatest release wasn't sexual in nature, but something more primal than that. When Jack Ehrman crushed Mrs. Ginder's skull, he learned that he was a killer. That's what the district attorney, Gina Delano, said during her closing statement. At that point, I knew I'd already lost a trial, but it sticks in my mind anyway. That's how we lawyers are. We remember the little details, the small inconsistencies. The other girl Jack knew was just a girl from his calculus class. He said he couldn't remember her name. The second thing Jack told me was that he was a virgin. He couldn't have committed the murders because he had never had sex in his life. The district attorney had charged Jack Ehrman with eight counts of first degree murder and six counts of sexual assault. Autopsies determined that the first six victims had been raped prior to their murder, but the seventh and eighth had not. The district attorney would explain the inconsistency 
by saying Jack had stopped caring for the sexual thrill of his murders and had begun to savor only the taking of life itself. Jack's purported virginity was one of the reasons I believed he was innocent. I figured he wouldn't tell me something so personal if it wasn't true. Despite that, I didn't think we could win the case. The first thing I told Jack was that the cars were stacked against him. There were witnesses that saw a car like his outside the homes of several of the victims. Skin cells from the sixth victim, the one in his calculus class, were found on a notebook in his home. The media had already written Jack off as the Gilliman County Crusher, so it would be incredibly hard to find a jury member that wasn't already biased. I don't care. I'm not guilty, Mr. Wallace. I didn't kill those girls. Jack, the DA has a strong case against you. Now, if you take a plea, it's likely you'll only get 20 to 30 years in prison. 20 to 30 years? Mr. Wallace, I didn't do anything. I'm not a murderer. Tears were dripping down Jack's face. Look, I can't tell you not to take this case to a trial, but that can mean life in prison. Is that a risk you're willing to take, Jack? Yes, please. So he took the case to trial. People in Gilliman began treating me differently the closer we got to the trial. The whole community of Gilliman County had already written Jack off as a murderer, and that made me the lawyer of a murderer. I wish I could be mad at the people in Gilliman. I wish I could say I didn't understand why they would hate me so much, but I didn't blame them for how they felt. They were scared. Everyone was scared. The Gilliman County Crusher was the worst monster any of them had ever heard of. The murders would make your skin crawl. Trust me, I've seen the bruises and the broken bones on those girls. All of them young, all of them pretty, all of them smart, classy women with their whole future ahead of them. And he had defiled them, violated them, and then taken their life without a second thought. He always ended their lives the same way. After he'd finished raping and abusing them, he would crush their skull with the business end of his sledgehammer, often leaving nothing but a few broken skull fragments and chunks of brain. Sorry if that's too graphic for you. You work on a case for long enough and you get desensitized to the details. The gore and the pain don't get me anymore. The only thing that still gets me is the fear. I can't imagine how these girls felt. All of them had been safely asleep in their beds when he broke into their homes. The pure terror they must have felt when they saw him standing over their bed, sledgehammer in hand. They must have screamed, although I'm sure he put a stop to that quite quickly. All of the girls had dirty blonde hair. The local news talked about that a lot. That was the killer's type. Jack was fairly well known within the community before the trial. He was a hometown kid. He had been a high school debate champion. The first news story about him had actually been years earlier when he won a state title. The first person from Gilliman County High School to do so. One of the character witnesses we called during the trial was his old debate coach, who say that Jack wasn't violent and would never commit such heinous crimes. The one thing that was consistent about the people in Gilliman County was that nobody thought Jack seemed like the violent type. They thought he was a murderer for sure, but they were conflicted about it. No one quite knew what to think. I wasn't the only one Jack duped. The trial started six months after Jack's initial arrest. It was raining. I had been preparing day and night for this trial. 
Reporters had been allowed into the courtroom, and it was packed so tight that people were practically standing on top of each other. Between the humidity from the rain and all the heat coming off the people in the courtroom, I was drenched in sweat. But Jack wasn't sweating. The entire trial he looked calm, rational, and put together. I once heard that Ted Bundy was livid throughout his entire trial, yelling and swearing under his breath. Jack wasn't like that. He was quiet and he was cold. The state's case in chief was weaker than we had anticipated. They had assumed this case was a slam dunk, but when it came time to testify, many of the witnesses didn't know what to say. They spit out inconsistent facts, irrelevant testimony, and contradictory ramblings. You could tell the jury was confused. The DA side of the case took five days, and by the end of it, the jury was clearly unconvinced. Not only that, you could feel something was wrong in the room. The jury was mad. The jury didn't think they should be here, like someone had made a mistake, like the cops had booked the wrong guy. On the sixth day, I said to Jack, we might have a chance, you might win this thing. All Jack said was, we'll see Mr. Wallace, we'll see. I called five witnesses to the stand to defend Jack's character. His parents, a school teacher, his debate coach, and a friend of Jack's mom he had known since middle school. We never planned on Jack testifying. The defendant doesn't have to in a criminal trial, and it's even possible it may hurt their case. By the time Jack's friend had finished testifying, I felt like the trial was already over. The state hadn't presented sufficient evidence to convict Jack, and all of our witnesses agreed. Jack didn't seem like the murdering type. When my fifth witness stepped down, I began to say the words that would have ended the trial. With that, your honor, the defense rests its case in chief, and is ready to move forward with the closing statement. Wait! Jack was standing. His sudden outburst had pulled the courtroom into complete silence. I'd like to testify first. I was taken aback. We had never planned on Jack testifying. People began to mutter in the crowd. The jury looked back and forth at one another. I asked the judge for a minute to confer with Jack. You don't need to testify, Jack. We've already won. I was whispering. You could hear the crowd that was gathered in the courtroom whispering too. They wondered what was going on. Trust me when I say they weren't the only ones. Jack didn't lower his voice. He was talking quite loudly. Mr. Wallace, I want to testify. There's something else the jury needs to hear. Mr. Wallace, is your client testifying or not? The judge was impatient. We were sitting at the tail end of a two week long trial. I looked at Jack. He didn't look like the chubby kid I had met with so many times in a state prison. His face was red. His eyes carried a dangerous look that said, Don't get this answer wrong, old man. The defense calls Jack Airman to the stand. Jack looked confident when he walked up to the stand. Later, a reporter would write that Jack walked with the conviction of a preacher, about to deliver his gospel to a waiting congression. I don't think I agree with that. I think he looked like an artist waiting to unveil his latest controversial masterpiece to a group of fascinated onlookers. Could you please introduce yourself, spelling your last name for the court? Jack Ehrman, A-R-A-M-O-N. Mr. Ehrman, why are you here today? Because I raped eight women and then smashed their faces in. There were gasps throughout the courtroom. I have to admit, one of them came from me. You, you might have misspoke, 
Did you mean to say you didn't? No, I raped and killed all eight of those women. And my attorney, Mr. Wallace, helped me do it. He's a murderer too. The courtroom broke into chaos. People began yelling. The sound of the judge's gavel banging against his desk were quickly eclipsed by curses and I knew it's flying from all sides of the courtroom. People began pushing, rushing towards the witness stand where Jack sat. A group of police officers held him back. In all the madness, Jack and I locked eyes. Without saying a word, he was smiling. He had a real toothy grin on his face. Joke's on you, that smile said. For the first time, Jack looked like a murderer. After the chaos settled down, all of the spectators were removed from the courtroom, except for one reporter who videotaped Jack's testimony. I quickly ended my examination of Jack, but the district attorney allowed him to continue on cross-examination. Mr. Airman, you stated on direct examination that you killed all eight women. Could you elaborate? Sure. I didn't want to do it, but Mr. Wallace said I had to. He said the trial would make his career. He said he would kill me if I didn't do it. How did you kill these women, Mr. Airman? Well, I hit him with a sledgehammer. It was Mr. Wallace's idea. Objection! The judge sustained my objection, but it was too late. The jury and, more importantly, the reporter with the camera had already heard everything they needed to hear. Jack was convicted of all the crimes he was charged with. He was sentenced to life in prison. When a judge delivered his sentence, Jack clapped wildly and screamed, Good show, your honor. This was a lot of fun. Jack was a psychopath all along. I got so caught up in the details of the case, I missed a monster looking out from behind those goofy glasses. I never stopped to consider whether or not he was actually guilty. Everyone thinks I'm a murderer. I'm not sure if the DA will press charges against me. I didn't have anything to do with any of these murders, but... It doesn't matter. I let Jack convince me he was innocent, and they used my naivety to ruin my life. The people outside my house are furious. They have guns on their hips, and their trigger fingers are twitchy. They'd shoot me dead if they got the chance. There's nothing I can say to convince them I'm not a murderer. There's nothing I can do to salvage my reputation. Someone once told me that attorneys are extremely prone to alcoholism and suicide, and I have to say, both of those things sound pretty good right about now. The Gilliman County Crusher claimed another victim tonight. It was a man in his 30s. He wasn't the usual type of victim the Crusher preferred. He wasn't female, wasn't young, didn't have dirty blonde hair. But he had one thing in common with all the previous victims. He had a future ahead of him, and Jack crushed it. I'm no murderer, but I might as well be.